Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go with me over to the, uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to read this text of scripture and then we're going to unpack it for just a little bit. Um, it, it, some of you may have, maybe you've read this text before. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And here's the promise. And he will direct your path. He'll make your path straight. But I love the translation, the New Living Translation. It says, it says, trust. Somebody say trust. Trust in the Lord with how much? With all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. Pursue it. Seek to know his will in all that you do. And here's the promise. And he will show you which path to take. Uh, What I want to talk to you for just a few moments today uh, is on the topic of God's will, God's plan for our lives. Like, Like that question, have you ever won that question? Like, God, what's your will for my life? Like, what's your preference? Not my preference, but... God, what is your desire and your preference for my life? For this decision I need to make, God, what is your will? You pray with me for a moment. Father, we love you. Speak to us today. We are leaning in. We are listening. We're taking notes. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. Have your way. We open up our hearts. We open up our mind. And we ask you, Lord, don't just challenge us. Change us. Change us today, Holy Spirit. Let your truth just cut into our heart and our soul and 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 even our understanding, will you, will you give us revelation, a spirit of revelation, a spirit of understanding that we may hear, know, and understand what you want to say to us today. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for the word of God one more time. Yeah. Um, you know, we do this, this spiritual survey, this annual spiritual survey. I think you guys do it as well, usually around Easter. And it's really us gathering information from, from members of our church family to just, we, we, we want to know what is it that you'd like to hear taught from the scriptures. You know, we, we pray and we lean into the spirit and what God's saying throughout the years. We plan what we're teaching, but we also like to know, we want to make sure that we're hitting the target and we're preaching where you live on Monday not just preaching good sermons on Sunday that are like, oh, that was inspiring. You kind of hyped me up. But, but we want to preach to your Monday and to your Wednesday and to your Thursday and where you actually live. We don't want to teach the lion's share of our messages about things that you aren't actually experiencing and needing. We, we don't want to teach um, the majority of our messages that only apply to the minority of your life. We want to we preach messages and teach where you live, what you're dealing with, uh, the decisions that you're having to make. And so we ask these questions, and I would encourage you to participate in that, that survey because it really helps us as a church. Uh, look at me saying that. It helps us as a church. I love that. I am a part of the family. It helps us as a church to be able to really communicate uh, and to discuss the things that are on your heart and on your mind. Uh, but we do this, and, and we always have kind of the same questions that, get, that get, get kind of popped up and populated in those surveys. But do you know that the number one question that people ask at our church, I would say it's probably the same as true as, this, as your church, but is this, is how do I know what God's will is for my life? Like, what's God's plan? Like, how, how do I know what God wants me to do? That's a really big question. And I think the reason why we ask that question is because, wouldn't you agree to this statement right here, that our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make. 
It is, good or bad. Your life and my life, up until this point, our lives are the sum total of the decisions that we make. It's just true. Now, oftentimes, think about this, oftentimes we try to blame where we are in life on other people, our parents, our boss, the people that did us wrong. And there are definitely factors that affect where we find ourselves today. But the truth is, most of where you and I are at today in our life is due to the decisions that we've made, good or bad. Now, make no mistake about it. There are systems, and I think we've even unearthed this this year. There are definitely systems that can make it more difficult for certain individuals. But outside of even the broken systems around us, our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make. And, 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 and this is true as well. We'll take it a step further. Is that many people, many people, even in this space, in this place, many people carry around regret over bad decisions that they've made in their life. As a pastor, I've been pastor now for 20 years, I guess, 20 years. And, 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 and one of the things that I've, I've noticed is this pattern over 20 years is that when I sit down with individuals, sometimes couples, married couples, businessmen, businesswomen, I sit down with them. And the common thread that I find out in counseling and coaching and ministering is that many of them are carrying around, almost like luggage, carrying around bags of regret because of poor decisions or bad decisions that they've made. Many of which they would, they would say things like, I wish I could go back with the wisdom that I have now, the insight that I have now, uh, the understanding that I have now, and the maturity that I have now. I wish I could go back five years, 10 years, could rewind time and I could, I could change and kind of have a redo in that decision relationally, financially, vocationally. I wish I could go back with the wisdom that I have now. I wish I could have a redo. I wish I could rip pages of, of that book out of my life. I just, I wish that I could redo these things. The ironic thing about making bad decisions is actually this, is many times bad decisions and regret over those bad decisions can sometimes be the very thing that drives us closer to God. Because we just get to the place in life and we're like, God, I'm just tired of doing it my way. I just keep screwing things up. Can you help me? God, will you help me? Will you guide me? Will you direct me? Because I need help. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if you and I, we had some type of system or some type of way, some type of method or some type of access to to God's voice in our life where when you and I have to make decisions, both big, large macro decisions and just the daily decisions that we have to make that sometimes can even seem mundane, wouldn't it be nice that that if you and I had access to God in such a way that when we have to make that decision, we can just say, God, what is your will for my life? And you could hear him loud and clear. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, the good news is this, is that, that I believe that that's exactly what God wants to do. I, I don't believe that God is playing this cat and mouse game with us. Like, hey, try to figure things out. I want you to just kind of stumble through life. That is not God. God is not some, some, some deity off in the cosmos. He's actually a good, good father. He's a really good father. And like any good, good father, he wants, that would be a great song, wouldn't it? Good, good father. Like any good, good, that's so dumb. Why did I say that? Like any good, good father. Listen, you know what a good, good father wants for their kids? He wants their kids to experience the fullness of life. I didn't want you stumbling through life trying to just figure it out on your own. That's, that's a bad, bad father. And you may have had a bad experience with an earthly father, but I'm telling you, your heavenly father, he wants you to know what he wants you to do probably more than you even want to know it. Because he knows that if I can guide them and I can direct them and they'll take step after step ordered by me, for the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. If we will take step after step on his path that he chooses, he knows that our life will be so fulfilled will be so satisfied. And so why would he ever 
want to hold out on us and keep his path from being clear to us. See, there's a path that, 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 there's, there's a path that leads to destruction that seems right to us, but God doesn't want us just following any path, the path of culture, the path of our feelings, the path of our emotions, but he wants us to follow his path. And trust me, he has a path for every single one of us. This is good news because God desires to guide and direct us in his will. His will. If you were to do a, a, a kind of a word study, a biblical word study, uh, and you open up a, a, a concordance, a biblical concordance, you would see the will of God or the plan of God. You would see it dropped into one of these three categories. And I just want to break them down for a second. We'll get a little nerdy for the first two. And then the third one is the one you really want to know, which is the personal will of God. But there's three things. Write this down if you're taking notes. B and I used to always say note takers are history makers. I think that that's true of students. If you're a youth or junior high or high school student or college student, but I'll never forget sitting next to a 65 year old man that had been in ministry for 45 years. And he was, he was out doing me taking so many notes. I just thought, man, I'm, I, I need to learn from this guy. He's 65 years old and he's still taking notes. Why? Because, because because leaders are learners. So let's always learn and lean in, always take notes. But look, the first one is this, the providential will of God. The second one is the moral will of God. And the third one is the personal will of God. Now, now for us to get to the personal will of God, and if you really want to be equipped today to be able to hear from God's voice and know exactly what the paths are that he wants you to do, then it's imperative that you understand the first two. So we're going to break these down for just a second. The providential will of God, or some of you, maybe you've heard it referred to as the sovereign will of God. I like the word providential better uh, for what the, the meaning that kind of is carried with that. But here's all it really means is the providential will of God refers to those things, the things that God is going to do regardless. It's not contingent upon our prayer. It's not contingent upon our obedience. Like we don't have to intercede for this to happen. We don't have to fast and get God to do this. These are things that God has already planned. This is the eternal God that before even the foundations of the earth, he established, this is my will. This is exactly what I'm going to do. No one can stop me. No one can thwart this plan. No one can hinder this plan. Like this is going to happen no matter what. Let me show you that in scripture. Galatians chapter five, the apostle Paul said to the church in Galatia, he says, but when... Say it with me, the set time. But when the set time, like this has already been set. This is, this is something that's already been established. He said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Aren't you thankful that you and I, because of Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. We're no longer lost. We have been found. We're no longer blind. We can see our eyes have been opened. Why? Because there was an appointed time that God had already established eternally that I'm going to send my son, Jesus. No one can stop this plan. It doesn't matter what king is on the throne. They cannot stop this plan. I am sending my son and he will be the Messiah, the savior of the world. And he will be born of a woman under the law, but he will, he will lay his life down on a cross and he will rise again with new life. Why? So that there are men and women in the earth. They don't have to live lost, but they can know me. They can be sons and daughters in my family. This was appointed by God. This was going to happen. It was his providence. It was the providential will of God. Romans chapter 2, another illustration of this. Paul says, and this is the message I proclaim. That the day is coming. It's coming. You can't stop it. Doesn't matter if you believe it or it's going to happen or not. It's coming. The day is coming. When the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> Bengals. The day is coming when God, through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. That day's coming. I try to get my kids to memorize this one. 
I'm like, yeah, the day's coming. I, don't, you may, I may not be present when you're on the playground, but I'm saying the day's coming. You know, I try to, they're like, oh, God, frighten me. This is terrible parenting, by the way. But, <clears throat> but the day is coming. It's established. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there will come a day, on that day, when we will all stand before God and we'll give, we'll give an account, not just for our, our, our Insta life, our Facebook life, not just our TikTok life. We will give an account for the reality of how we lived our life, not just in public, but in private. Our secret life. It will be judged by Jesus. Now, here's the thing. That day is coming. It doesn't matter. It's not contingent upon your prayers, my prayers, our obedience, our surrender, submission to that, our faith that that's going to happen. It's just going to happen because it's the providence of God. God's going to do this no matter what. It's already been set. No one can stop it. It was the providential will of God to raise up the nation of Israel as his chosen people. It was, it's the providential will of God that Christ will return for his bride. It's the providential will that the church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail. No one can stop him, not even COVID, not even hell itself. It's the providential will of God. That was a great spot for an amen. It's all right. It's all right. I'm preaching better than you're shouting me down, but it's okay. It's okay today. Listen, there are things that God is just going to do. It's just going to happen. Now, here's why this is important that we know this. It's imperative that you and I understand this because, watch, God uses ordinary people just like you and me to accomplish, accomplish his providential will in the earth today. I mean, think about this. God, God says, hey, you know what? I'm going to send my son, Mary. He looks for this girl, teenage girl. Mary, I am going to send my son, and, and, and I want you to be a part of this. Like, no one can stop me, but I'm going to send my son. And her answer was, yes, be it unto me, yes. God says to this guy, Abram, Abram, I'm going to raise up a chosen people to become a nation that will bless the world, that I'm going to bless the world through. No one can stop me, and I want to use you to do it. And Abram says, yes, sign me up. See, God uses ordinary people like you and I to accomplish what he has already planned to do in the earth today. How do you know what that is, though? The primary way that you and I know the providential will of God, you know what it is? Here it is, drum roll, please. The word of God. It's imperative that you and I don't just hear the word taught on Sunday, but that we have a steady rhythm and rule of life where we're, we're getting into the word and the word is getting into us. And because here's what happens. We begin to see the narrative of scripture. We begin to see the narrative of God, of how, how he's at work in the earth, how he has worked before, what he is working on now, and what he is going to do. And when the more familiar we are with that, we can begin to position ourselves as ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And when the time comes for us to be a part, we can say, yes, I'm available. I'm here. It's important. So what's the action step? Just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. That's it. That's so fundamental and powerful yet at the same time. It's to get in the word of God. It's the only book that reads you too. Get into it. Let it get into you and you'll begin to see the providential hand of God throughout humanity. Second one is the moral will of God. These are the do's and don'ts in scripture, right? These are the things that are just very clear that God says, I want you to do this, and I don't want you to do this. There's a lot of them. Now, if you just focus your whole life on the moral will of God and you have morality as your functioning savior, then you're just living a religious life. And religion is dead. It brings no life, but it's, it's only out of a relationship with Jesus. And so even living out the moral will of God has got to, it has to overflow out of intimacy with Jesus, out of love for Jesus. It's not just like I'm going to check off all the boxes. There are dead religions all over that do that. But what we have is we have relationship with God and out of grace, out of desire, not duty, 
we begin to say, I want to live a morally excellent life, not to earn anything, but just in light of the beauty of Jesus. I want to live my life in such a way that it reflects how beautiful Jesus has been to me. It's the moral will of God. In other words, listen, you don't have to pray with the stuff that's already outlined in scripture. You don't have to pray, Lord, is it your will for me to lie in order to close this business deal? Like it's already clear. You don't lie. Like it's a moral kind of issue in scripture, right? You don't have to pray. You don't have to pray about that one. Lord, should I sleep with my boyfriend since we love each other a whole lot? I think it could, he could be the one. What's your will about that, Lord? I mean, we both know, Lord, like you would never buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first, right? Like, no, no, no. It's, it's so, thank you for that. <laughs> Timothy, laugh there. Um, it's, it's God's moral will. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians to illustrate it even further. Chapter 4, verse 3. God's will is for you to be holy. We live in a culture that says, let's pursue happiness. God's will is for you to be happy. No, 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 no. God's will is for us to be holy. And I believe that true happiness is actually found in holiness. It's living our lives set apart, living our lives different from the culture and the context around us. It's God's will for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin, all all sexual sin. In other words, part of God's will for your life and my life is that we remain morally pure. Why? Not because God's trying to take the fun out of life. He's trying to take the sting out of life. He is. First Peter chapter two says it like this. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state uh, or the officials he has appointed. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations of you. In other words, listen, it's God's will for you and I as followers of Jesus, kingdom people. It's, it's, it's his will for us to submit to the established government that we live under. It's part of his will. It's part of what his scripture says. So during tax season, just play it out. During tax season, I don't have to pray, Lord, is it your will for me to tell the truth on these tax forms and declarations? Because, Lord, you know I could give so much more to Queen City if I got a little bit better returns. Lord, you know my heart in this. Like, we don't have to pray about it. We already know what God's moral will is in this. Now, here's the big one, personal will of God. The personal will of God refers to the personal decisions and plans for your life. And this is where we, where we really, we want to know this one. Like the providential will of God, cool, check, got that. Moral will of God, cool, check that. But what I want to know is like, God, should I buy this car? Should I take that job? Should I move to that city? Should I date this guy? Probably not. Should I date this girl? Should we have kids? Should I start this business or keep doing what I'm doing right now? Should I go into full-time vocational ministry? Should I go back to college? Should we make this church our home church? Yes. Uh, God, what do you want me to do? I want to know what your plan is. This, this question, this personal will of God, this is what you and I, we lay our head on our pillow some nights. And we just sit there wondering, like, God, I just, if you would just tell me, I would do it. I just want to know. I'm tired of the torment of wrestling back and forth. God, what is, what is it that you want me to do in this particular area of my life? It's the personal will of God. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, Paul, talking about himself, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. In the context of his entire ministry, Paul believed that God's personal will for his life was to be an apostle with a specific assignment to the Gentiles, those that are non-Jewish people, to help bring them into an awareness and a revelation of the gospel and to, to really to have a ministry towards those outside of Israel. And he felt like this was God's personal will for his life. Listen, by the way, God has a personal will for every one of your lives for the difference he wants you to make in the kingdom. 
That's why it's imperative that you, that you go through the growth track. I believe that the growth track is one of the most simple ways for you to discover what God's will is for, for you in this church. Because listen to me, every single one of us in this church, we need the other people that are sitting next to us because they have gifts in them that we need to build us up and we have gifts in us that they need for us to build them up. And the way that the church becomes fully mature in Christ Jesus is when we discover the grace and gifts on us and we leverage them to be a blessing to other people. God's got an assignment for all of you. It may not be to be an apostle to the Gentiles, but there's a grace on you. There's a gift on you. Tap into that, understand that, discover what that is. Growth track would be a great place. Start it today, 4.30. Look, you're welcome. I'll preach your growth track today. First Peter chapter four, so then, so then, look at this. So then those who suffer according to God's will, put that in your theological pipe and smoke that. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In other words, in this verse, in its context, it talks about how God's personal will for these individuals' lives were for them to lay down their life for the sake of the gospel so that other people could see their faithful testimony and witness, even under pressure, even under circumstance, even under persecution. This was God's will. Greatest myth in the church, and specifically in the Western church, probably the greatest myth is that the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. That's, that's a lie. It's just, God never said that. There are brothers and sisters right now in, in, in other countries that are laying their lives down daily for the sake of the gospel. And guess what? That's God's will for their life. And God receives just as much glory when they lay their life down than he does whenever someone lives their, their entire life for Jesus. It was God's will for them. Now, here's the biggest thing I need to tell you. If you miss this, you'll probably miss the main point of my message. The more familiar we are with God's providential will and the more surrendered we are to God's moral will, the easier it will be to discover God's personal will for our lives. The more familiar you and I are with the providential will of God, the things God's gonna do no matter what, and the more surrendered, or let me say it like this, the more obedient we are to the moral will of God, the things that have already been revealed in scripture, the easier it is to discern and to discover and to ascertain the personal will of God for our life. I'm gonna get Pastor Brian to come up here. I wanna do a little illustration. Come on, clap your hands for Pastor Brian. So, so th- this little object right here uh, is called a plum bob. Uh, I have been stopped in airports before uh, with this. They're like, is this a bullet? And I'm like, no, this is actually a tool for construction. Then they look at me and they're like, you don't look like you know anything about construction. I'm like, just trust me. I'm a pastor. I'm building people's lives and the church, or whatever. <clears throat> so when you drop that really quick, will you just let that kind of hang there, uh, Brian, for just a second so we can see? So the, the bottom is the weight. This, is, this thing weighs, I don't know, it looks like it weighs a half a pound, but um, the weight of the plumb bob actually causes, uh, the gravity causes and the weight causes this plumb line to be formed. And um, it, it actually creates a perfectly 90 degree uh, line, a standard. And it's for construction, for a building. And if you know anything about building, maybe you've seen one of these before. I personally have built a few houses, but I don't know anything really about building. I walk on to the job site one day and this brick mason is laying bricks. And I see this instrument kind of on the corner of the wall. And I would notice, I just was watching, I noticed this guy would grab a brick, put mortar on it, and he would look down at that line. And then he would lay a brick. And he'd look again. And he would, and sometimes he'd go three or four bricks, but he'd always, always stop and look at what he's building. And then he'd look down at that line. Because he knew, he knew. If I just just go off of this subjective feeling of, oh, this looks right, this feels right, 
then what will happen is, is the wall of that house would not have structural integrity. And so he knows that I need an objective standard by which I can lay every single brick, or may I say, make every decision. I can't trust myself. I have to trust the standard. It's interesting, the book of Amos says that God's word is the plumb line in our lives. See, this is scripture for us, is that when we, you and I have to make decisions, we, we just have to know that it will never, God will never personally call us to do anything that's going to break the plumb line. Anything that's going to be out of alignment with the standard of scripture, he'll never call you to do it. And so when I have couples tell me, I just really feel like the Lord spoke to us that we should live together and just kind of practice this marriage thing before. I just feel like it's God's personal will. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's just, that, that breaks the standard. Like the Bible says that we should avoid even the appearance of evil. Like this is the standard. Every single week, whenever we're preaching and teaching God's word or whenever you're reading scripture and studying the word of God, you know what's happening? You're getting an objective vision of what could be and what should be true for your life. And the clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decisions. The clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decisions. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for Pastor Brian. So it's not an abstract thought. Let me give you a personal personal illustration of this. Um, here, here it is right here. In San Francisco, there was an article that just came out, I think it was today, from the Chronicle, SF Chronicle or the New York Times, that out of 10 counties in the U.S., eight of those 10 are in the Bay Area for being the most expensive zip codes to live in. Uh, the cost of living is astronomical. To purchase a house, it's about 1000 to $1,200 per square foot. It's very expensive. And uh, so it can feel a little insurmountable for local people to, to buy a house, as you can imagine. I mean, you'd have to make a lot of money and have a lot of liquid cash to be able to purchase a house. So think about this scenario, because this is the best way I can illustrate the more familiar we are with the providential will of God, the more surrendered to the moral will of God, the easier it is to discover the personal will of God. Imagine this. If I have an opportunity to buy a house, and it goes like this. For me to buy the house, I would have to drain all of my savings and go on a strict, strict budget. And for a little while, stop being generous to other people and push pause on giving through the local church to advance God's kingdom, pause on honoring God with my first fruits, which the Bible calls the tithe, even though it would be only three years of sacrifice, and I could unpause my generosity freeze, and I could have triple the amount of equity in this house. I mean, it would be a, it seemed like it'd be a wise decision economically. The decision is very easy for me. It's a no. It's a no. Why? Because I know the providential will of God. God is building his church and redeeming and rescuing lost people in this world. This is what he's doing providentially. I also know his moral will. His moral will is for me to live with open hands generously to other people, not self-centered with my life or just my family. And so his personal will becomes so clear because it goes against the plumb line. If buying the house causes me to break the plumb line, then the answer is a resounding no. Because God's personal will for my life will never be out of alignment with his providential and his moral will that's been set by scripture. The more familiar we are with God's providential will and the more surrendered we are with his moral will, the easier it is to discern his personal will for our life. Now, here's the thing. Here's the challenge. You know what the real challenge is for us discovering God's will? The real difficulty in in knowing God's will is not in hearing God's voice. It's not or cracking some proverbial code, or unlocking a mystery. The real challenge for us is simply following through and doing what we know God wants us to do already outlined in Scripture. 
The problem isn't with God communicating with us what he wants us to do. It's usually our reluctance to actually do what we already know he's told us to do. The tendency on our part is to say, hey, yo, God, God, I want you to tell me with this decision, I want you to tell me what you want me to do so that I can consider it as an option. This is our posture many times towards God. But what I've discovered is this, is God does not give us, listen to me, God does not give us direction for for consideration. He gives us direction for participation, to involve ourselves. When he says, this is what I want you to do, our answer is yes. Even before he tells us what it is, our answer is yes, because it's always for our engagement, our involvement, and our participation. It's not so that we have another option and we have God's option weighed against all the other options. It's it's this. There are no other options. God, what do you want me to do? My answer is already a yes. And that's why in Proverbs 3, we get this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not just your Sundays, not just your church days, with all of your heart, which really, in other words, means with all of your life, with your finances, with your sexuality, with your relationships, with your family dysfunctional dynamic, with all of your life. Trust. This is the issue. Trust me, God says. Trust me. Do you trust me? Trust me with all of your heart, all of your life. Don't lean on your own understanding. You're going to try to figure it out, and it's just not going to make sense, God says. Just trust me. I know it doesn't. Logically, it just seems like it doesn't make, but God says, trust me. Trust me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge me. Very weak translation with the NIV there. Nearly inspired version. (laughs) When he says, acknowledge me with all your ways, acknowledge, it's very poor translation. It really is to be riveted by, to be surrendered in, to be bowed down before a king, subject to. He says, in all of your ways, be subject to the king. In all of your ways, be surrendered to the king. In all of your ways, be obedient in what you are. Be yielded, not my will, but your will be done. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And that's the setup. And then he will direct your paths and make them plain and make them clear. I guess the best way for us to sum up this would be this. Surrender to the known will of God paves the way to discover the unknown will of God. It's all these things over here that we already know outlined in scripture, things that God's already dealt with us about, brought conviction in our life, spoken to us about, morally instructed us in. He says, in all this, just trust me and be surrendered in these areas. And this is going to set you up for a clear, such a clear call for me to direct every path and every, every way that you should go in every one of your decisions. I love this. Thomas Merton said, we receive enlightenment. Only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. We do not first see and then act. We actually act and then see. And that is why the man who waits to see clearly before he will believe never starts on the journey. And one of the most frustrating things, if you're new to faith, if you're new to Christianity, one of the most frustrating for, for things for, for you may be this is now you're starting to get familiar with God's word, and you're starting to see some of these moral imperatives that are outlined in scripture. Now you're like, man, this is really hard stuff. Like I have to start sacrificing in these areas, and I may need to cut off that relationship from my life. And oh my gosh, 10% of my income, I gotta, you start seeing this, and it looks like so insurmountable. Like this seems impossible. And God, you've got my heart in all these other areas, but this over here, and it can be such a challenge for us. But what I found is surrender takes trust. And that's why he starts with trust. 
in me with all your heart. This is a heart issue, a trust issue. And so the real question is this, is do do you and I trust God that he's a good, good father and that he wants what's best for you? Philip Yancey made a great statement, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you after I tell you this, that I think that you and I, we want to know God's will because we want, we want some kind of assignment and instruction that will give us a little peace and serenity and mind and heart. If I know that God says this and I'm just going to do this, and for us it becomes transactional about a, a, an assignment or a task or some duty or something, and for God it's so much deeper than that. For God, he's not like, man, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do because I really want a bunch of doers. He doesn't want a bunch of doers. He wants sons and daughters to have relationship with. More than God wants you to know his will, you know what he wants you to know? Him. His heart. His heart for you. His love for you. He wants you to know him as a father, not a dictator. He wants you, he wants you to know him as a good father, not as, a, not as just some cosmic leader that's kind of organizing some pawns in, a, in some chessboard. He wants you to know his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence and his kindness. He wants you to know that side of him. He wants you to know that. And for him, it's more than you just knowing what he wants you to do. It's knowing him as a father and as, as, as the redeemer of your soul. And Philip Yancey said it like this, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. You want to know God at a deeper level? then the things that he's already revealed for you to do, begin to apply those things and do those things in your life. And what you'll notice is this, it's it's going to open up the windows of heaven and you'll begin to hear God loud and clear. So when you need to make that decision with your business, oh, it's gonna be so clear because you've already already been surrendered in all these other areas. And so God knows I can speak because I can trust him. I can speak because I can trust her. Surrender to the known will of God paves the way to discover the unknown will of God. Um, I told this story to you guys last time whenever I was here, so I won't go into all the details of it, but you may remember I talked about my relationship with my father. My father and I, we had a very bad relationship for years, and he kind of went off the rails as a pastor and had multiple affairs and became physically and verbally and emotionally abusive to our family. And uh, I lived with my high school football coach for like a year. Uh, my, My mom lived in a battered women's shelter for a short period of time. And uh, it was just a really hard time. And so I began to hate my, my dad. I just, I hated my dad. Uh, and I hated what he represented, which was church, because my dad was actually a pastor. So I began to really be disillusioned and disappointed with God and with religion and with pastors and just trusted no one. And my life just also went off the rails for years. Then I gave my life to Jesus in 2000, Y2K. Gave my life to Jesus started following him and begin to study his word, begin to read, his, read the Bible and begin to study the, you know, the providential will of God, the moral will of God. And one of the things that I, I discovered very quickly is that this whole thing is, 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 a, is all about forgiveness. Have you known that? Notice that? It's, it's all about grace. It's like when people just screw over you, you need, to, you need to turn the other cheek. You need to release grace. You need to forgive them. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, so immediately I begin to notice this in the pages of scripture, the words of Jesus, the words of Paul. I begin to notice grace, grace, extend grace, extend the grace you hope you someday never need. Grace, grace, release grace, forgive people. So God began to deal with me about reconciling with my dad and forgiving him. I fought God for years on this. And God was so gracious the first few years. He still would lovingly and gently pastor me. <laughs> and he, but he would always bring me back to like, yeah, forgive, forgive your dad, forgive your dad. And I'd be like, I've forgiven him in my heart. I don't have to talk to him or whatever. And then I, I read Ephesians chapter four was 
Forgive just as your heavenly Father through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Finally, freely, fully forgive. And God was very clear. He said, Jason, unless you do what I've already told you to do, you're going to feel so distant from me because I don't speak just for your consideration. I speak for your participation. And for the next, I don't know how long it was, the next, it felt like a year, I couldn't hear from God. The problem with that is I'm now at this stage a pastor. One of the primary functions of a pastor is this right here. You hear from heaven, you communicate what God's saying. The problem is, is I didn't have anything because I wasn't hearing from God. I became frustrated, like, God, weren't you speaking to me? What's going on here? Like, you called me to do this. Why won't you talk to me? I was just copying other people's sermons and just, I was just trying to survive. And God's just laughing at me, I think, in heaven, like, dude, it's so simple. Just do what I told you to do. It wasn't that he was trying to punish me. He was trying to pastor me. He was trying, trying to lead me to greener pastures where there would be serenity in my soul and peace. One of the things that would destroy your soul is holding on to bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. It's like, Jason, just forgive. This is as much for you as it is for your dad. Set up a meeting with my dad, told you the story. Set up a meeting with him. God told me to tell him just a few words in two or three hours at the end of the conversation. I said, dad, debt canceled. That's what forgiveness is. It's canceling a debt. You and I had a debt, right? And Jesus canceled that debt. Same thing, dad, debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. I forgive you and I want to have a relationship with you. And I'm telling you in that moment when I release grace, grace released me. The ceiling between me and God shattered and I begin to hear God's voice loud and clear. You know why? Because surrender to the known will of God paves the way to discover the unknown will of God. Amen. Come on, I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray over you. Lord, I just thank you for this word that you, uh, you wanted to deposit in our hearts today. And what I know is that you have been speaking to different people about different areas. Holy Spirit, that's what you do. You take, you'll take a message, a moment, even just a word, and you'll, you'll massage it into our hearts. Like a good surgeon, you will, you will cut us only to heal us. You'll expose our heart. You'll expose our motives the areas of disobedience, you'll, 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 you'll begin to dig into those areas only because you want what's best for us. And so the issue comes down to, will we trust what you're saying to us today? That area, maybe it's about a relationship. You've already been revealing to that person about that relationship, or maybe it's about finances or about their business. And there's an area where they've just kind of been reluctant and disobedient. Holy Spirit, speak right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit, say, what are, you, what are you trying to say to me right now? What are you trying to remind me of right now? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're speaking to our hearts. And if you're here today, you say, Jason, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. You say, I don't have a, this relationship with God. I'm, I'm seeking, I'm searching. I have a lot of questions, but I know what I sense right now. I sense like I need to, I need to, trust Jesus with my life, become a follower of Jesus. And you may not even fully know what that means, and that's okay. What I'm here to tell you is that Jesus loves you. He laid his life down on a cross for you. He knows the very worst about you, but he still believes the best in you. Today, you just simply confess that, man, Jesus, I need you. Made a lot of mistakes, but I'm going to follow you. Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, that's Jesus, that they will be saved. They'll be saved from an empty life, a broken life. 
And God will begin to put the pieces of your life back together, put you in family, a spiritual family, and he'll take you places you've never even dreamed. And so right now, if that's you, you say, I need forgiveness of my past and a fresh start and a new beginning. Just say these simple words. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And today I surrender my life to you. I want to follow you. You forgive me of my sins and cleanse my life. Give me a fresh start today. I need a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church. I love you so much. I can't wait to see you again. Uh, Can we do this? Can we clap our hands in this room for everyone that prayed in this room or online that received Jesus today? Because that's a really big thing. Can we clap our hands for just a moment? Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 